Hey everybody, this is Chris McDaniel. It's so good to be with you. It's been two weeks since I've actually stood here in this pulpit to preach a sermon to you because we had a kid come home from the University of Georgia with COVID-19. So quarantining happened, but she's better now back at school. The only problem she has is she can't taste or smell. The thing that was such a gift to me last week on Sunday coming out of quarantine was that I got to hang out in the parking lot from four to six. Ashley just shared with us that we're gonna be moving this thing into more of a social environment where you can also pick up your communion kits. And last week, it was just such a joy to hang out with people, to see some of your familiar faces. And so I hope we get to do that again this afternoon. I'm gonna read from the Bible and then we're gonna pray and then we're just gonna jump right into this passage. If you have your Bibles, please turn to uh, Matthew 20, beginning in verse one. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And then he said to him, you also go into the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. And he went out again about noon and about three o'clock and he did the same. At about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one's hired us. And he said to them, you go also into the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. So those hired around five o'clock came. Each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, the last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And so the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father, we ask you to give us grace to help us to listen to the Bible. Maybe especially when it points to things or touches things that make us feel uncomfortable or unsettled. And so we ask God for your help now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. There are just a few things that I'm gonna point out to us today as we sit with this passage. And I wanna say this at the outset. This story is a story about expectations and entitlement. This is not about money or income. This is not about who's technically owed what or the other. This is a story about expectations. And I found in my own life that the longer that we live, the more we have to come to terms with expectations, specifically expectations that are not met. Much of the dissatisfaction in our souls happens when we think things are gonna go one way, but they end up going another way. And that's what Jesus is putting his finger on when he tells us this story. And maybe now, as much as any other time in our lives, we're all dealing with how do we respond when expectations are not met? And so I think Jesus has something really specific, really important to say to us today. 
And so as we sit with this story, there are some big players or characters. The landowner, that's God, obvious enough. It's his vineyard. He can do what he wants with what he has. The workers, that's you and me. And the wages, this idea of payment, that's essentially what do we get back for using our gifts in the world, in God's field. And so we're gonna sit with two different groups. The second movement in this story actually invites us to sit with two groups. One experiences things that go better than they thought and the other runs into some stuff that's worse than they thought it would be. And so let's sit with these two people just for a moment. I think there's something here for us. So first, the group for whom things go better. They're elated. These people, uh, some of them just couldn't find work. Some were hanging out. They were being idle. They were just chilling, maybe got a late start to the day. And then they're brought back into the mix. Um, the, the owner of the vineyard basically grabs them throughout the day. I mean, nine and 12 and three, and then some at the very end of the day. And he says, if you're not working, come to work. Jesus is trying to tell us something here about the heart of God to include people in what he's doing and that he doesn't penalize people for being late, for showing up late. On a very fundamental level, this is a story about people who find faith and meaning connected to God later in life. And I have a lot of friends for whom this was the case. This was true in my own family. Um, my parents lived away from God for a very long time and then found faith later in life. I've got friends in our church who have come to faith and meaning later in life. And they come from a different space entering this space. And for them, they're overjoyed, they're elated. And I just wanna say to you, if that's you, if you found faith through one of our alpha courses or you've come to find meaning in life later on, what a joy it is to be brought into something meaningful and purposeful. This group go away elated that they're a part of something, that they were invited into the thing that maybe they would have worried that they might've missed. But then there's this other group. These are people who've been working all day and they watch this other group be included in and they begin to adjust their expectations so that by the end of the day, this group thinks, well, if they were paid the normal daily wage, surely we're gonna make even more. So for them, things go worse than they expect. And this is what Jesus is putting his finger on because he wants us to see that expectations are really tricky. And this group is not elated. They're not happy with the way things are going. See, I think Jesus is putting his finger on something that's really, really important when it comes to the kingdom of God. He's trying to get us to see that expectations are really where we can get trapped and tripped up in our life with God. And I think this is so important for you because both groups receive the same pay. The third thing I wanna say to you is this, in God's economy, the pay is the same. If you've been at it the whole time, or if you've done something else and come into this friendship with God later in life, the pay, the reward, if you will, is the same. One of my heroes, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber, used to always say, when you're with God, the pay's the same. And that's a point that Jesus is illustrating right here. But it's something that actually makes us feel somewhat uncomfortable because that second group had begun to feel entitled. They'd begun to think, well, I think I deserve something more. And I think that what we're seeing here in this passage is that there are no realities 
connected to an insider and outsider dynamic in the family of God, but there are dynamics or experiences or expectations that there would be insider and outsider differences. God sees it the same. We tend to get mixed up about things, especially if we've been in the family the longest amount of time. What Jesus is doing in this moment is he's putting his finger on the shadow side of faithfulness. See, resentment toward outsiders. If you think about this group, this group felt entitled. They felt like I've been doing all the work. I should receive more. And what we see in some traditional churches is like a literal resentment to outsiders. Like you think of a traditional church with a bunch of very churchy people. And when people come in from outside the faith, they're sort of antsy or anxious or even disdainful toward those people. Y'all, that's not one of our challenges here at Trinity. But I think we do have a shadow side to faithfulness. Some of us have thought that faith is kind of like a vending machine faith. If I put this in, I'll get this back. If I do the right things, then I'll have the right kind of marriage or the right kind of job. Things will work out like I want them to work out. So what happens when our expectations are not met? What happens when things don't go according to plan? What happens when a promotion doesn't come in or inheritance that you were counting on doesn't come through for you or a friend or a family member lets you down? See, when our expectations are not met, our true struggle is oftentimes revealed. And so Jesus really in this moment, as he tells us this story about that second group of people for whom their expectations were not met, he's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, how do you act? How do you respond when things don't go like you thought they would go? How do you respond to the fact that the pay is the same? And I think in a church like ours, it's not that we don't like people who come in later. It's that we think if we've been at it, maybe we deserve more, not necessarily less for them, just more for us. And Jesus is putting his finger on what I think is really, really tricky And this is something many of us are struggling with. The fourth movement in this passage, Jesus is speaking to the danger of comparison. See, when I began to think less about just what I'm meant to do and more about how I compare to her or to him or what I deserve based on what that person's up to, I actually run into a really dangerous place. And some of us are maybe running into that right now. We're thinking life doesn't feel fair. And frankly, for all of us right now, life really feels challenging. But if we felt like I've done all the right things and now life is hard and therefore I feel resentful, I believe that Jesus is actually wanting to put his finger on something that's actually really, really dangerous in our walk with God. And that is a scarcity mindset. And we may not hear a story like this and think automatically that this is about scarcity, but I actually think that it is because when I compare myself to someone else and begin to feel resentment or triggered by that, and somehow then my life starts to take on a darker and darker tone, I believe that's an indicator that I'm struggling with a scarcity mindset. See, here's the kicker, y'all. The daily wage, it was enough. Jesus is basically saying, whether you worked all day or you came in late, the wage is like daily bread. What Jesus is trying to say is that God is kind and generous and he gives each and every one of us enough, enough mercy, enough grace, enough resource to get through and to be more than okay. See that earlier group, the ones who'd been out there the longest, 
they agreed on a fair wage. And I just want to say to you, at your job, you should expect to be paid what you agreed to work for. That's not bad. That's something Jesus is actually reinforcing. We should expect compensation for work done. But we should be careful when we want to renegotiate in our own mind based on seeing others come into a story later on. And here's some signs of scarcity I think we need to put our finger on and we need to think about as we look at our own lives. Here's some signs that you may be struggling, that we may be struggling with a scarcity mindset. When I negatively compare or feel competitive in order to secure a place for myself, that's a sign of scarcity. When I reinforce a victim mindset through revising past experiences, when I wanna make my past seem worse so that I would actually feel like I'm owed something. And finally, grumbling and complaining, that's what they do. So what do we do when we notice scarcity in ourselves? And right now, I bet all of us in one way or another are feeling the pinch of scarcity, worrying that there's not enough, maybe feeling a little resentful towards someone who has it easier than us. I think three things we need to do when we feel that scarcity and notice it in ourselves. First, we need to admit it without excuse. I feel a scarcity mindset that's causing me to feel competitive or cagey towards someone else or toward others. And then we need to repent. And the word repent doesn't mean you have to put sackcloth and ashes on and weep and wail and act like you're uh, tearing your soul out. Repent comes from a Greek word, metanoia, which means to think about your thinking, to rethink. And sometimes what we need is to step back and take a fresh perspective. So noticing and then repenting. And when I repent, I say, I see something in me that I'm not proud of. I see that an expectation has not been met and I don't like what it's stirring in me. And I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna move toward a different outcome. And that leads me to the third thing we have to do when we notice scarcity. We need to find ways to move toward trust, to move in a concrete, discernible way toward a trusting behavior rather than a scarcity behavior. So I think there's an invitation in front of all of us when we feel and, and experience scarcity. And that leads me to the last thing I wanna point out here in this text. God creates the culture of the vineyard. I'm gonna read it to you. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last one the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I want, what I choose with what belongs to me? See, God chooses in his generosity to treat us all the same. We, as fallen, fragile, finite humans, struggle with that even-handed generosity. But see, it's not God's problem. It's our problem. God is kind and gracious. God loves us whether we show up late or on time. But we have to deal with our own insecurities. And frankly, right now, I think there's a remarkable invitation in front of all of us to acknowledge where our expectations have not been met. And it may be a little thing, right? A finite thing, a relational hiccup. Or maybe you're sitting here today thinking, my life is currently not turning out like I thought it would turn out. Maybe it's a big thing. Do you know that God can handle both if we're honest and real? 
if we're willing to barter in reality. I heard somebody say this morning on a podcast, actually, that God is only ever able to meet us in reality and that we can participate with God just by being real, by naming how things are actually going and what's really happening inside of us. Y'all, God's culture is one of generosity. Our instinct sometimes is one of scarcity, and it's time for us to move toward that generous culture of God. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of questions for reflection here at the end, uh, because I think that for many of us, we're watching in our watch groups. We're doing this church in homes or backyards, and we're going we're gonna to put a couple of questions on the screen, and you can hit pause so that you could just take some time to discuss and interact if that's what you're doing. Or if you're by yourself right now, you could just simply reflect in your heart before God. So here's some questions to consider. What happens inside me? when I feel I'm owed something, but don't receive it? What's stirred in you there when an expectation's not met? Number two, name a time when you felt tempted to negatively compare yourself to someone else or positively compare yourself where you put yourself over and against them. What did that comparison temptation stir up in you? And then thirdly, and maybe most important, What might it look like for you to reject fears around scarcity? I think those three questions may help us actually dig deeper into what the Lord may be wanting to put his finger on. But here's what we're going to do now. We're going to prepare for communion. And so if you have your communion kits already in your home, now's the time to hit pause on the video and go collect them and prepare for communion. And just as a way of reminding you what Ashley said, if you want communion for next week, come up to the church between four and six today and we'll see you in the parking lot. Um, We can't wait actually to see you and then give you your communion kit. Here's where we're gonna end. We're gonna pray the Lord's Prayer together and then we'll send you on your way. So let's prepare our hearts to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.